Cedar Street, I love you so very much. And it's the joy of my heart to be with you here this morning. And we are continuing a journey together in a sermon series that's been entitled Return to the Upper Room. If you're just joining us, uh, we started in John 13 and we're looking at five chapters and 155 verses of one meal that Jesus has with his disciples. And the, the sub, subtitle for the sermon series is Leaning in Closely to Hear the Very Heartbeat of Jesus through his last words at his last supper. So what I've said is the image that I want us to put in our minds is we're sitting right where John was sitting at the table. And we're reclining at that table and leaning back into the chest of Christ to hear his very heartbeat. And so far as we've walked through the first uh, part of John 13, we've learned that the love of Jesus is a love that never ends, it goes to the very end. We also saw him take a towel that was meant for us and show us what servant leadership in the kingdom is all about. We learned last week that um, there is one who ate the bread of betrayal and his name is Judas. And he turned away from Christ because he was wanting to build another kingdom that Jesus had no intention of building. Well, today we're going to return to the idea of love. And this is something, again, through the entire gospel of John, but certainly in these five chapters, love is brought up over 30 times. Uh, the title of our message here this morning is The Kingdom Law of Love. The Kingdom Law of Love. And when I thought about laws, I had something lighthearted that God brought back to my mind. And Jim O'Brien, you'll appreciate this. So uh, I hosted a TV show uh, here, uh, was it 11 years ago now? It was called Around These Parts on Pineland TV. Brother Eddie was on the show, Jim was our narrator. Um, and we had a segment on that TV show called Crazy Georgia Laws. And out of all the laws that we came up with, uh, there was, I think, five that kind of stuck in my mind. Uh, so I'll just share them with you. These are legitimate laws in the state of Georgia. I'm not making this up. Number one, it is illegal to keep a donkey in a bathtub. So if you've been doing that, you need to repent. Uh, Number two, it is illegal to carry an ice cream cone in your back pocket on Sunday. <laughs> Only Saturdays, not Sunday. Number three, in Athens, it's illegal to give someone a goldfish to entice them to enter a game of bingo. <laughs> I wish I was present to see how that law came about. Number four, in Gainesville, it is illegal to eat fried chicken with a fork. <laughs> and number five, sticking with the theme of chicken, in Quitman, I know you, have, you know some folks there, Brother Larry. It's illegal to let a chicken cross the road. And I would say, even if he's just trying to get to the other side. <laughs> These are legitimate Georgia laws, and they're, can we say, a little crazy. Why are they crazy? Because of sin. You know, I wish I could say it's just the state of Georgia that's crazy, but it's humanity since the fall. In fact, you can look to the Old Testament, and here's the deal. In the Old Testament, God handed down a law to establish a nation. The law he handed down was the Ten Commandments. But as that nation was established, they kept adding laws and laws and laws and laws. And eventually, one day, they came up with what is called the Oral Torah, which was an interpretation of Old Testament law, and it got ridiculous. It got so ridiculous that they took one of the commandments, the fourth commandment, to honor the Sabbath day and keep it holy, and the oral Torah has 39 different restrictions on how you keep the Sabbath holy. It's just mankind adding law to law to law to law to law. And the, and the answer is, 
how do we stop this? Well, the reason we have so many laws is because we've broken the most important one. And that's the law of love. Because when the law of love is fulfilled, every other law becomes unnecessary. And that's where we're going to be looking at here today. Again, we're going to be looking at the kingdom law of love and our focus is going to be understanding Christ's command to love each other as he has loved us because there's no type of love like that. And that love is not of the kingdom of this world, but it is the kingdom of God. Our big idea in one sentence, Jesus reveals that his new kingdom will be ruled by a new law to love each other in a new way. Again, Jesus reveals that his new kingdom will be ruled by a new law to love others in a new way. So if you want to know more about this kingdom law of love, would you join me by turning to the Gospel of John? Again, fourth book of the New Testament, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and then John. We're going to be in chapter 13. If you don't have a Bible, grab the pew Bible in front of you or beside you. We'll be on page 1070 in your pew Bible. And if you would stand at this time, out of the reverence of the reading of God's holy, infallible, Inerrant and fully sufficient word. Again, we're in John chapter 13, reading verses 31 through 35. Hear God's word to us through his servant, the apostle John. When he, meaning Judas, had gone out, Jesus said, Now is the Son of Man glorified, and God is glorified in him. If God is glorified in him, God will also glorify him in himself and glorify him at once. Little children, yet a little while and I am with you. You will seek me and just as I have said to the Jews, so now I say also to you where I am going, you cannot come. A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another. Just as I have loved you, you also are to love one another. By this, all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Let's pray. Oh, Father, it seems like every time the word love comes up, we're just reminded of how perverted the idea of love has become. This is not a cheap word. It is a kingdom foundation word. And it's a word we don't always understand. And it's a word that we don't always obey. So we need your help. And I pray, Lord, as we walk through this passage together, that you would help us to understand what you want us to know about this kingdom law of love and how when this love is practiced and this law is obeyed, the entire law is fulfilled. So be with us now, Lord, I pray. And may you be glorified as we walk through this together in Christ's name. And God's people said, Amen. Amen. I don't know why when I read this passage I have an internal Forrest Gump voice in my head that says, I'm not a smart man, but I know what love is. <laughs> I, I'm not a smart man, but I, I know that Jesus knows what love is. And Jesus is laying out something about love that is different than the way the world pr promotes it. So we just finished Valentine's Day, right? We're getting ready to sub, uh, celebrate the lovely ladies' banquet uh, tomorrow. How does the world define love? Well, every, just about every way but the way Christ defines it. 
For the world, love is an emotion. It's an affection. It is, uh, it is something that you can fall into and fall out of all the time. And that's simply not what God's talking about here. Now, I want to say that the kingdom, in the kingdom of God, love is not less than affection because God is a very affectionate God. And if you don't know that, you have not read his word properly. But his love is more than affection because affections change, but commitment does not. In fact, we've said over and over, I have behind this pulpit for the past several years, that, that love, according to the Bible, is an unconditional, sacrificial commitment to pursuing someone's greatest good for God's greatest glory. That's love. It, it's not an emotion. Again, love can produce great emotion. But love is unconditional. Love is sacrificial. Love is a commitment to seek what is greatest good for the person and greatest glory for the creator. That's love. That's love, and sometimes love hurts, but the Bible also tells us that true love never fails. And Jesus is the source of love, and he is throughout the gospel, but certainly in the five chapters that we're looking at here, he's, he's, he's going in, in a continual rotation of showing and teaching, showing and teaching, showing and teaching what love is. And just a few moments before he said this, again, he took a towel that was meant for the servants, and as the master, he took the towel and he washed their feet and said, you want to be great in my kingdom, this is what you do. You deny yourself and you love others the way that I am loving you. And then when he put his outer garments back on and took the honored seat at the table, as the master, he began to continue to teach. And now that Judas is out of the atmosphere, Judas is going to the, to the chief priests to begin to betray him. Now he's speaking to his true disciples. And he's saying, if you want the world to know that you are truly my disciples, there's one way. There's one way they're going to know it. And that way is true, biblical, kingdom-focused love. And so I want to real quickly kind of walk through this. And I want to show three dynamics of the kingdom law of love and how different they are than the love of the kingdom of this world. And so here's the first. I want to say, number one, the kingdom law of love has a plan. The kingdom law of love has a plan as we look at verses 31 through 33. And we have to stop and say, Love has a beginning, it has a source, it has a foundation, and we need to know what that foundation is or we'll never understand how it is that we can express that love. Love, by definition, is a relational term, which means love must include more than one person. If, you, if, if I was to say that so-and-so is loving, it would be expressed by how they interact with someone other than themselves, and so that's why I want to say, as uh, interesting as this concept is, love is a triune term. And here's what I mean by that. Before creation, God has always existed. But the Bible says that God has always been love, which means if God has always been love, there had to be more than one person to share that love with before the first human was created. And so within the Trinity, we know God is love because the love that the Father has for the Son and has for the Spirit and the, and the love that the Son has for the Father and the Spirit and the love that the Spirit has for the Father and the Son, that is the source of love. He's the source. And we see this unfolding in verses 31 through 33. 
We see this as Jesus speaking about himself as the son of man is just overflowing with love and desire to glorify the father and for the father to glorify him. He says now is the son of man. He's saying now I'm being glorified and God the father is glorified in me. And if God is glorified in me, then God will also glorify me in him. He's saying, I'm honoring the Father, and the Father is honoring me, and the Spirit is the one making this happen, and together we're expressing to the world the love that we've had since before creation. That's exactly what verses 31 through 33 are showing us. It starts with God. Now, a key to this goes back to Genesis chapter 1. Because if there was this type of triune love that the Father, Son, and Spirit had for each other, he expresses this in Genesis 1.26. I want you to listen just to the beginning of Genesis 1.26. In the time of creation, okay, all these things in the earth were being created, and then in the sixth day of creation, God's getting ready to make human beings, and it says something really interesting. It says in verse 26, then God said, let us make man in our image after our likeness. And that one sentence, it says, then God, meaning singular, said, let us, meaning plural, make man in our image, plural, after our likeness, plural. What that is saying is God the Father and Son and Spirit were communing with one another and saying, we've enjoyed this love since eternity past, and we don't want to keep this love all to ourselves. So we're going to create a creature named human beings made in our image to come and enjoy this love together. And that's the source of it. That's where it starts. And he did something unique. I want you to think about how God decided to create humans. He didn't just all of a sudden populate groups of people all over the place. He started with one man and one woman who eventually had children as one family. And the reason that he did it is this. Part of God's plan in enjoying his love is to enjoy a unique perspective of his love, and that's a parent-child relationship. For those of you in this room who are parents, I want you to think about the first time you held your child. You can't explain that. But you can explain the reason for it. And the reason for it is God wanted you to feel what the Father feels for the Son. Two distinct persons that have a love that transcends understanding. And that's God's design. That's his purpose for creating the world. He wanted us to taste that. So this love has always had a plan. And again, you see that as as Jesus is talking about the Father and how there's a unique desire to glorify one another, constantly lifting each other up through the plan of salvation. That's the plan. But now we move on to number two. The kingdom law of love has a process. In verse 34, it says, A new commandment I give to you that you love one another just as I have loved you. You also are to love one another. So I see this process that God had from eternity past, I see it in three steps. And not just because I'm a Baptist preacher, by the way. But step one is it has to begin with God because it's commanded by God. He says in the first part of verse 34, A new commandment I give to you. He has the authority to give that commandment, not just because he's God, but because love starts with him. And, and this mirrors, by the way, 1 John 4. If you want to know, uh, see the same truth from a different angle, the same writer, the Apostle John, inspired by the same Holy Spirit, is saying the exact same thing in 1 John 4. And in 1 John 4, verse 8, John says, Anyone who does not know love does not know God because God is love. He's the source. So step one is acknowledging the source 
and the source is God. God is love. That's the process. Step two, kingdom love flows from God to us. Second part of verse 34, he says, as I have loved you, you are to love one another. So now it's flowing. And that mirrors 1 John 4, 7. All right, beloved, let us love one another for love is from God. It's flowing from God. It's flowing into us. Not only is God the source, God is the fountain. And that love begins to flow in us where we desire what God desires. We want the greatest good for God's greatest glory. We want to make a sacrificial commitment to one another. And then there's the third step. As it goes through us, it's got to go out to others. Again, the third part of Verse 34, you also are to love one another. And he makes a, and, and you know what? The Apostle John in 1 John 4, 7 makes a very interesting statement. He says, whoever loves has been born of God and knows God. Here's what that means. If you're born of God, it means you're born again and you have the Spirit of God inside of you. And the proof of that is if the Spirit of God is flowing inside of you, guess what's going to be flowing out? Love. Again, not just affection. That's part of it. But an unwavering commitment that you want what is best for every person that you come into contact with. That is love. And I wish the world would know that. But the world doesn't. And if we're expecting the world to show us that, we're looking in the wrong place. The world's looking to us to show them what that love is. So love has a process. It begins with God. He's the source. It flows from God to us because he's the fountain. It flows through us because we have his spirit. That's number two. Third and finally, not only does God's love have a plan and a process, it has a purpose. Verse 35 says, By this all people will know that you are my disciples if you have love for one another. Now what's this purpose? When we love others, what does it prove? Well, it proves first that we've been given a new citizenship. It's proof that we live in another kingdom and we live for another world and the kingdom that we belong to is not one that we are first, it's where we are last because we love others. And we are adopted into the family of God as part of this eternal kingdom. We're new people. He says that you are my disciples, meaning they will know that you belong to me when you love the way that I do. And if we love Christ the way he loves us and we belong to his kingdom, it's going to be obvious we have died to this world. And our love for others also proves that we've been given a new identity, that we are objects of God's love. You know, this was hard for me to understand before I became a Christian before I became a Christian, I just automatically assumed because God is love that God loved everybody the same way. But again, I, I've talked about this in weeks past and I'll say it again here today. God is a holy God. And even though he has a general love and desire for all to come to faith, until you're covered in the blood of Jesus, you're also an object of his wrath. If you don't believe me, look at the cross because Jesus took on the wrath that he does not want you to have to take at your judgment. But if you are a Christian, you're covered in his blood. You are an object of his love. There is now therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ. And if you can rest in that, it should change everything. Something I've said behind this pulpit again, I've heard Dave say this for years. 
at this very moment, God cannot love you any more or any less because his love is not based on who you are. It's based on who he is. That's love. And can, can you face anything with the understanding that you haven't lost his love or that you have to somehow get back in his good graces and earn his love, but that you can rest in it? I would say everybody in this room has had moments or maybe is in a moment right now where you're beginning to wonder, how does God feel about me today? If you're a Christian, I don't have to guess. You are his child and he loves you. And you need to rest in that because when you rest in that, you're going to be able to love other people in a different way. And when you do that, they will know you belong to Jesus. And that's the purpose of it. It is, it is, you know, I said a couple of weeks ago when it, we talked about the covenant love of Christ, John Bunyan, the great uh, author back many, many years ago, one of the Puritans, said that when Christ sets his heart to love someone, it's it. The decision has been made. All right? Game over. If he says, I love you, I love you, and that's it, and, you're, and, and I want you to receive it. And again, I just want to say for those of you in this room who are parents and grandparents, to some degree you can taste that, right? I mean, your children and grandchildren, they can hurt you, they can aggravate you, they can disappoint you, but they can't change your love. And if you're born again and covered in the blood of Jesus and your sins have been atoned for and Jesus lived perfectly for you and he died sacrificially for you and he rose supernaturally for you and he ascended to send his spirit down to dwell inside of you, if he did all that, you're an object of his love. And if you receive that, it'll change how you live. So let me sum this up in one sentence. Our transformation through practicing Christ's love will always be our most powerful testimony of belonging to Christ's kingdom. Our transformation through practicing Christ's love will always be our most powerful testimony of belonging to Christ's kingdom. And I want to close, I've been reading, I've been kind of interweaving this with 1 John 4. I want to close by just reading 1 John 4, 9 through 12. It's the same writer saying the same thing in a different way. 1 John 4, verses 9 through 12. We walked through this a couple of years ago here. But hear God's word. In this, the love of God was made manifest among us, that God sent his only son into the world so that we might live through him. In this is love, not that we have loved God, but that he loved us and sent his son to be the propitiation for our sins. Beloved, if God so loved us, we also ought to love one another. No one has ever seen God. If we love one another, God abides in us and his love is perfected in us. When we've been transformed by the love of God, and we have a yearning to honor and glorify God and seek the good of other people, it's irresistible and the world can't explain it. The only explanation is surely there is a God in heaven because he lives in that person. And that's my prayer for everybody here. That's my prayer for you if you know Jesus. And if you don't know Jesus, I will say, you're not capable of that type of love. It's not produced with human flesh. It's produced supernaturally by the Spirit of God. 
and you must repent of your sins and place your faith and trust in God. He desires for you to know that love and to practice that love, but you won't until you realize you have sins that have separated you from God. Jesus is the only one that can reconcile you by atoning for those sins, and you must confess with your tongue that He is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised Him from the dead and that you too can be an object of His love by grace through faith. The kingdom law of love. We honor this, this law, then all the other laws will be fulfilled. Let's pray. <sighs> Father, simple, simple words, simple message, but impossibly difficult to practice without your help. If we could only know how much love you have for every single person in this room, it would change everything we do. So maybe today the prayer is, Lord, to open our hearts to see your love, that it would transform us from the inside out, and that it would enable us to love others in a way that we never had before. So Lord, I just pray that love would be the word of the day. I pray that we would be people that would demonstrate that in everything that we say, think, and do. And I just thank you, Lord, for the way that you love us. We don't deserve it. But it's not about us. It's about you in us. And you on behalf of us because of who you are. Help us to obey this command today and always. It's in Jesus' name we pray.